0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Crime Vine podcast. How are you guys? Like, I hope your week has been amazing. Like, you guys deserve it. You guys deserve the best. Um, If you are new here, welcome. So, basically, I am your host. My name is Felicity Brooke, and this is the Crime Vine podcast, obviously um so basically this podcast we discuss all things true crime we go into conspiracy theories occasionally but we mostly stick with true crime and like murders and serial killers and that type of stuff you guys seem to be interested in that more um but i do want to kind of go into crime at at one point like um a few of you guys have requested something on like al capone and like i want to know okay so i'm thinking about doing mini series and basically what that is is It'll be a lit like a seat like have season numbers you know like season one two blah 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 blah, and each season will be consist will consist a few episodes. I don't know how many each, um but one season's going to be about one case or one person or one story, one crime spree, something like that. And so it's going to go way, way, way more in depth. And like each episode will still be like 40 minutes. So it's going to be like, say there's five, so five minutes uh, or five minutes, five episodes of 40 long. What am I saying? Five episodes of 40 minute long episodes. <laughs> um, wow. Words are really hard today, but yeah. So let me know if you guys are interested in that or if you guys just kind of like the, I'll do that on the side like my normal stuff, obviously, but, or if you guys just kind of like, you know, every epi- episode's different you just don't, you don't have to watch every episode or listen to every episode. You can just skip over and pick which ones you like. Let me know over on my Instagram, which is the Crime Vine podcast. I'm super, super, super active over there. I spark conversation over there. I really like to interact with you guys. So if you're not already following, then please go follow. And I also wanted to take this time right now to direct you guys to whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Please take like Two minutes and write a review. It really, really helps me out, and it keeps me being able to do this and being able to um, produce and ha- take time out of you know my day to do this, and makes it so worth it. And I just really like hearing your guys's feedback. So please, if you could do that for me, that would be greatly appreciated. I also did want to say a huge thank you. I know I am talking a lot. I'm sorry, but that it is what it is. So. I did want to say a huge thank you. We did reach one thousand followers on the Crime Vine Podcast Instagram. I know that doesn't seem like a lot to many, but to me, that is huge. That is amazing. There's over a thousand of you guys consuming my content. Like this is absolutely insane, and it's like crazy that it's just crazy. It's just mind blowing that you know, like that's a small, like a small venue that is quite a lot of people. And I know it may not be like a million people, but to me that makes me happy. So thank you guys. Thank you. But anyway, let's get into this case. So this episode we are gonna be talking about Ed Gain, the guy that inspired many horror films to date. And it's really funny because okay, so you guys requested Ed Gain a lot. Like you guys seem to really have like an attraction towards him and uh, it's weird because I actually studied him. So I'm in film school right now and I studied Edward Gain beca- in one of my film classes because we were studying Psycho, um, which was a horror film based on um, Edward Gain and it was directed by Alfred Hitchcock and he, yeah, so it was based off of him. And then he also... There was another movie that was based off of him called The Silence of the Lambs, which is, a you guys probably all know what that is. And also, the last movie, or not the last movie, but the other one that inspired him was, which you guys, I know you guys all know and probably have all seen, was The Chainsaw Massacre. And the funny thing is, is like I study this guy, but I've only ever seen Psycho. Like I haven't seen the Chainsaw Massacre. I've never seen um, Silence of the Lambs. Like I'm not a scary movie person. I don't like scary movies. I'll listen to scary things, but I don't like watching movies with jump scares and all that. But yeah, it's so funny. So let's get into this Psycho, no pun intended. Um, so, Edward Theodore Gain. He was born on August 27th, 1906, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And his parents were George and Augusta Gain, who were both natives of Wisconsin, and they had two sons Henry George Gain and, of course, Edward Theodore Gain. Despite Augusta's deep contempt for her husband, the marriage persisted because of the family's religious belief about divorce. Now, Augusta Gain was kind of... Okay, no, not kind of. She was full on fucking crazy. This woman was insane. And their marriage just was... It, it was not a marriage that should have happened. It was only a marriage that was going to end poorly and end with everybody miserable. And I mean, well, look how it ended. You know, look how her their children turned up. But um, it, it just was a disaster waiting to happen. But they stuck it out because... Like I said, she was insanely, insanely, insanely religious. And like your typical stereotypical religious person that, you know, like the, the crazy ones. And um, so she didn't believe in divorce. So she's like, no, we got to stick it out. And it turned into misery and really, really bad situations that could have been avoided if they would have just gotten a divorce. Now Augusta Gain operated a small grocery store and eventually she purchased a farm on the outskirts of the small town of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Now Plainfield, Wisconsin was small is small as it is, but this place was literally secluded from everything. Like so secluded. Um she Augusta didn't let the children, you know, they went to school and home. That's all they that's all they did. Like they left to go to school and they came straight home and they weren't allowed to have any friends because she didn't want the friends to brainwash them and like influence them to do bad things and stuff like that. This woman was crazy. So they weren't allowed to leave besides school. They weren't allowed to talk to anybody. They weren't allowed to have any relationships, nothing like that. So of course, Edward then spent most of his time doing chores on the farm and Augusta, which a very, for lack of a better word, um, intense Lutheran, preached to her boys the innate immorality of the world, the evil of drinking, and the belief that all women, herself included, were prostitutes and instruments of the devil. She reserved time every afternoon to read to them from the Bible, usually selecting graphic verses from the Old Testament dealing with death, murder, and divine retribution. And she also believed that men were the devil, like men were evil, women were prostitutes, what a great world we live in if damn if that was true fuck <laughs> well some men are the devil but that's getting sidetracked and go into a long tangent of you know what single for life hey <laughs> we're out there you know i know you guys are listening i know some of you guys are like yeah fuck men i'm i'm with i'm i'm with you because men suck but then again arguably like women suck too we suck humans suck there we go Okay, we settled that one. So with an effeminate demeanor, Ed began to, became, a, not began, he became a target for bullies and classmates and teachers recalled off-putting mannerisms such as seemingly random laughter as if he was laughing at his own personal jokes. Like this dude was talking to himself, cracking jokes in his head and be like, oh, good one, Ed. Like, good one. Like, okay, it, it happened. Uh, To make matters worse, his mother scolded him whenever he tried to make friends. And despite his poor social development, he did fairly well in school and he did really, really well in reading. Can you imagine like your parents be like, you're not allowed to have friends. You can't have any significant other. You can't talk to anybody. You literally go to school and you come home straight to the farm and nothing more, nothing less. Like damn i like oh my gosh how you're just setting your child up for failure i'm sorry that's just they're gonna go crazy not being able to talk to any interact with any other humans but their family like fucked up okay so after george died he died of a heart attack in 1940 the gain brothers began working at odd jobs to help with expenses and both brothers were considered reliable and honest by residents of the community so now they're allowed to talk to people because they're getting money this seems like a very immoral situation. Like, if we're looking at immorality here, this mother was seemed very immoral, but okay. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors. And he enjoyed babysitting because he could relate more easily to children than he was able to with adults. And H- Henry, soon he began to reject his mother's view on the world. And he worried about Ed because Ed had a... Um, a very creepy attachment to his mother he was almost obsessed with her and she was like the apple of his eye type thing so on may 16th 1944 a brush fire burned close to the farm and the gain brothers were sent to go and extinguish it now reportedly the brothers were separated and as night fell ed lost sight of his brother and when the fire was extinguished he reported to the police that his brother was missing then now a search party was organized and Ed led them directly to his missing brother who lay dead on the ground and the police had concerns about the circumstances under which the body was discovered just because the ground on which Henry was laying on was untouched by the fire and he had bruises on his head so now this seems a little suspicious this does not seem like he got attacked by the fire this seems like he got attacked by somebody or something I guess you could say if we were looking at like animals but I'm it was an animal so everyone's kind of like okay this is suspicious like ed could have done it and especially since like henry started talking ill of their mother that could have really pissed ed off and been like oh my gosh what the fuck are you saying like she's literally the best person ever you know like i doubt he talked like that but anyway um so it's just it's kind of suspicious there so despite this the police dismissed the possibility of foul play and the county coroner listed asphyxiation as the cause of death And now if you think about this, this was in nineteen forty four. I mean, it wasn't common for murderers and people to get murdered around this time. This it just wasn't like a thing. So and they didn't have the resources that we have today, so they just weren't as smart. They I guess just didn't want to believe that somebody was doing this. I mean, um well, no, Bonnie and Clyde I think were around this time too. But anyway, like not many people were just going out and killing people, you know what I mean? And like this guy he clearly was crazy, but Times were different then, and I guess they just ruled it as asphyxiation, I guess. So, some investigators suspected, of course, that Ed killed his brother, but no charges were ever filed against him, and after his brother's death, Ed lived alone with his mother, who then later on on died on December 29th, 1945, so a little more than a year later, and um, her death was caused by a series of strokes. Now, everyone said that this was kind of a bad thing just because now ed lost his only friend and his one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world and he was just bound to go crazy i mean he already was crazy but bound to get crazier and shit does get crazier just just you wait hold on to that way because it's about to get snatched so ed remained on the farm supporting himself with earnings from odd jobs and he guys this shit gets weird he boarded up rooms that were used by his mother and including the upstairs, downstairs parlor, and living room, leaving them completely untouched, almost like a sanctuary, almost like they were on dis- like on display or like it was a museum and then like you can't touch anything to preserve it or some shit like that, like weird. And he only occupied a very small part of the house and the parts that he occupied were insanely, insanely dirty. And the only non-dirty parts, of course, were the parts that he ported off. And as a shrine, I guess, to his mom. I don't know. Um, but he lived in a small room next to the kitchen, which, again, like I said, was the only parts of the house he occupied. He became interested in reading death cult magazines and adventure stories. If that just doesn't set the tone for this episode, then I don't know what does. On November 16th, 1957, Plainfield Hardware store owner Bernice Warden randomly just disappeared. And police had reason to believe that it was Ed. And now Bernice Warden's son had told investigators that Ed had been in the store that evening before the disappearance and saying he would return the following morning for a gallon of antifreeze, which a sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning she disappeared. So everybody started to get suspicious of him. Like, you know, this guy could be it. I mean, he was the last, like that we have proof of. He was the last person that she was seen with or you know what i mean like he's su- suspicious so upon searching ed's property investigators discovered warden's decapitated body in a shed hung upside down by ropes at her wrists with a crossbar at her ankles and her torso was quote-unquote dressed out like kind of like so if you're familiar with like hunting or anything like that or if you just know anything about it um Dressed out is like what they do with like say deer. They dress it up. They drain the blood. They gut it. It's it's a s- kind of disturbing thing to think about. But that's how they found her. And they had also seen that she had been shot with a twenty two caliber rifle, and um and the mutilations performed after her death. Um, can you m- imagine like not uh, being killed and then not knowing that your body is literally being mutilated? And oh, I just that's disturbing. Um, and it, the weird thing is, is he didn't even try like, he didn't try to cover it up. Like, normally serial killers, like, they search the property and then they've figured out it's not him because everything looks like normal resident lives here and blah, 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 blah. It's like, because these guys are fucking good at hiding shit. This guy was not, this. this stuff was out in the open. Like, this guy was kind of, like, screwed because if at any given time anything were to go down, anything, and he needed help or he needed to call authorities or something, they would have seen this stuff. They would have seen it like he was not smart in hiding it. Good thing for us and for, you know, the authorities bad for him. But when the authorities searched Ed's house, they found human skulls, organs in jars, bulls made from human skulls. Mary Hogan, who I will get into who she is later on, um, they found her head found in a paper bag. And Bernice Warden's head found in a burlap sack and a lampshade made from skin from a human face. And that's not all they found. They found more. But if I listed everything, it would take probably about 10 minutes. So um, they have lists online um, where you can find what they found. And it's I mean, it's all on there. It's really disturbing. But I, I picked like the most disturbing parts, the juiciest parts for you guys. So there's other things that they found. Now, when Ed was questioned, he told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a daze-like state. And on about 30 of those visits, he said he had come out of the daze while in the cemetery and left the grave in good order and returned home empty-handed. Why? It's so weird. Like, he admitted this to the authorities. Like, that's fucking weird i mean most people hide this he he like was not hiding he was like yeah yeah whatever i did it cool like let's move on can we move on you know that type of thing like that's kind of what this guy's reminding me of now on other occasions he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and he took the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia oh my gosh And he also admitted robbing nine graves, leading investigators to their locations. He led them there. And authorities were certain, like, they were on, they were like, I don't know if this guy is telling the truth. Is he capable of this? Like, doing it alone, digging up this grave, like, in one evening, like, a single evening by himself with no help. Like, is this man capable or is he just leading us on and, and bullshitting with us? But they ended up exhuming two of the graves and they found them completely empty and then investigators are like, oh shit, this guy is fucked up. All right. This this, this it's this is our guy. This is him. And shortly after his mother's death, Ed had decided that he wanted a sex change. Okay, he began to create a woman suit so he could pretend to be a female. Now Gain denied having sex with the bodies, he exhumed, because he said that they smelled too bad. If they smelled so bad, why did you even like Uh, Why did you even exhume the bodies just to get their skin like wouldn't their skin smell bad too like obviously their organs are turning to like mush but wouldn't their skin also smell bad since it's like in the same coffin I don't even know I mean I mean I don't really know I'm not familiar with the smell of a dead body and how that all works but I'm assuming that the skin would not smell nice either just saying. But um, he also admitted to the shooting death of Mary Hogan, wh- who was a tavern operator, and she was actually missing since 1954. A 16 year old youth whose parents were friends of Edward's, who attended ball games and movies with Ed, reported that he was aware of the shrunken heads, which Ed had described as relics from the Philippines sent by a cousin who had served in World War II. And upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be human facial skins, carefully peeled from cadavers and used as masks by Ed. It's wonderful. That's not weird at all. Not in the slightest. Okay. So a sheriff by the name of Art Schley, I think is how you... I, I really don't know how to pronounce that name. I am sorry. I don't mean to butcher that, but it's S-C-H-L-E-Y, I There's no other way I think you to pronounce that. But anyway... He allegedly physically assaulted Ed during questioning by banging Ed's head and face into a brick wall, causing Ed's initial confession to be ruled inadmissible. And Schley died of a heart attack in December 1968 at just age 43, only a month after testifying at Ed's trial. And many who knew him said that he was traumatized by the horror of Ed's crimes and that this along with the fear of having to testify against him, uh, of course, especially with the assault, um, led to his early death. Now, on November 21st, 1957, Ed was arraigned on one court of first-degree murder, and he entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Then he was found mentally incompetent and thus unfit to stand trial. Ed was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, and which is now called the Dodge Correctional Institution, um, and a maximum security facility in Waupon, Wisconsin, and later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. And in 1968, Ed's doctors determined he was sane enough to stand trial. And the trial began on November 14, 1968, lasting only one week. He was found guilty of first-degree murder by Judge Robert H. Golmar, but because he was found to be legally insane, he spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital. No! No, honey, no! Excuse me? Excuse me? What? No! No, he belongs in prison. He deserves to suffer. Like, he made his victim suffer. And, like, he disrespectfully mutilated their bodies after he had murdered them like no this man needs to suffer i'm sorry okay i know that's not like the most humane thing to say and it sounds a little inhumane but i'm sorry if you are a person and you are physically harming somebody or you're putting them in harm's way or something like that you're murdering these people okay you are you are a literal murderer you are ending their lives you are playing god essentially like you should suffer. You should suffer. Like, I'm sorry. There's just no way around it. You are fucking sicko. You should suffer. Same with rapists, like especially child rapists, like you fucking suffer. Like you are disgusting. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. eh. Now on March 20th, 1958, while Ed was in detention, his house burned to the ground and arson was suspected. And when Ed learned of this incident, he shrugged and said, just as well. Now, in 1958, Ed's car, which he had used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at a public auction for $760 to a carnival sideshow operator Bunny Gibbons. And Gibbons later charged carnival goers $0.25 admission to see it. I wish carnivals were only $0.25. Are you kidding me? Now we have, like... We have amusement parks that are like, what, $90 a day or something like that? Like, shit's gone up. It's insane. But anyway, on July 26, 1984, Ed died of respiratory and heart failure due to cancer in Goodland Hall at the Mendota Mental Health Institute. And his grave site in the Plainfield Cemetery was frequently vandalized over the years. Souvenir seekers chipped off pieces of his gravestone before the bulk of it was stolen in 2000. And the gravestone was recovered in June 2001 near Seattle and is now in a museum in Washara County, Wisconsin. Like, these people, like people were literally, like, I don't want to say obsessed with him, but, like, they were just so interested in him. I don't know why. Like, why would you, like, chip off some of someone's grave? That's just kind of weird in my opinion. It's a little weird. But... The story of Ed Gain has been a lasting impact on popular culture as evidenced by its numerous appearances in movies, music, and literature. Ed's story was adapted into a number of movies, including Deranged, which came out in 1974, In the Light of the Moon, which was uh, the year 2000, later retitled Ed Gain for the U.S. Market, and Ed Gain, The Butcher of Plainfield, which came out in 2007, Ed influenced the nature of book and film characters, most notably such fictional serial killers as Norman Bates, which um, was a character from Psycho, and Leatherface, Letterf- Leatherface, which was a character from The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs. At the time, the news reports of Ed's crimes spawned a subgenre of black humor And since the 50s, Ed has frequently been exploited in transgressive art or shock rock, often with no connection to his life or crimes beyond the shock value of his name. And a a biographical musical titled Ed Gain, the musical premiered on January 2nd, 2010 in Menashaw, Wisconsin. People literally like this guy, it's so weird. Cause okay. If you think about it, we have had a bunch of serial killers. That's like, what the fuck cases kind of thing. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, everyone took such a fascination to this guy and like movies about this guy, you know, movies and were, fictional movies were inspired by this guy. Like why this guy? Like, I know he was fucked up and he did this, like the, the skin suits and shit like that. But like, why, why not others? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why everyone said has such a fascination to him. Like, I don't know. He's kind of creepy to me. Have you guys seen pictures of him? He's kind of creepy. He um is kind of creepy looking. Maybe it's just because I know he's fucking crazy. So that's why he's creepy looking to me. But this dude's kind of creepy looking. And um I just think it's in- insane. Like, insane that everyone not everyone but like society has still he's still very relevant in like the crime world everyone still talks about him they reference him a lot I mean there's memes there's all kinds of memes about him like all kinds of memes and like he's still I feel like one of the most talked about killers in the crime community. Like from what I've seen, obviously, like the Zodiac killer, it's not talked about as much as it used to be. The Golden State killer has resurfaced now that we found who, uh who did it. But other than that, like this Ed Gain is like the most popular well, obviously Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer too. But like I guess it's the really, really fucked up cases that everyone's like talking about. I don't know. It's weird. I wanna know what your guys' thoughts on this case are. I wanna know what you think about it literally just repeated what i said or in just different words but okay um yeah so i'm also going to ask you again politely to please write a review on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on it helps me out and it helps bring me or it helps me bring you guys the content you enjoy. So if you could just take a few moments, I would greatly appreciate that. Also, if you're not already, follow me on my Instagram account, The Crime Vine Podcast. I'm extremely active over there. I post about like three photos a day. I engage with you guys heavily. I'm always talking to you guys, always starting conversations with you. I really enjoy engaging with you. So please go over there and let me engage with you as well. And yeah, um, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Send in your requests to my Instagram or you can email me at The Crime Vine Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys want to hear and I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Thank you for watching.